Welcome to Impact Unicorns, the podcast where you meet inspirational entrepreneurs building the next generation of transformative companies. And now, here is your host, Dr. Internil Ghosh. Award-winning author, investor, and advisor to global leaders. Welcome to Impact Unicorns, and I'm your host, Indranil Ghosh, and today I'm very excited to have a podcast on the natural economy. And I'm excited also to have Martin Valenti and Jane Morrison-Ross from the South of Scotland Enterprise, as well as David Farquhar from Intelligent Growth Solutions, a vertical farming pioneer. Um, We're going to have a a broad-ranging conversation today about what the natural economy is, um, how it's being advanced by groups like the South of Scotland Enterprise, and we'll talk about innovative companies making an impact in this space like Intelligent Growth Solutions. So first of all, let me welcome Martin, Jane, and David to the show. Hello. Hello there. Hello. Great. Let's turn to you, uh, Martin, first. Uh, Tell us a little bit about... um, uh, what the natural economy is and how you uh, came to be a pioneer in this space. Uh, thank you for that pioneer. I'll take that because uh, it's actually pioneering is a great word because at the moment it's still being defined the natural economy. There is a, a new space that's being discussed and uh, socialized with many different parts of the society, including a lot of investment bodies. But I think it's great that we've got David here today who will actually chat about the reality of what we socialise and what we speak about. But for us in the south of Scotland, we know that we have a massive uh, opportunity in our hands. We have an abundance of nature and natural capital, sometimes referred to. But mobilising around that to deliver a just transition to net zero is the key opportunity that we have in our hands. And the only way that we'll be able to properly mobilize and maximize that opportunity which at the moment is still just a potential opportunity is to be supporting businesses like intelligent growth solutions and others to come and get involved in our area so the natural economy in that respect is is about not exploiting nature in a way that previous economies have done so and i'm not naive to suggest that the first uh, few industrial revolutions didn't come without their benefits they did they helped us create a uh, a fantastic education and health system and developer economy, which is great, but it did have some recalcitrant challenges that we're now being faced with, such as you know pollution and damage to the environment. So Scotland successfully hit the jackpot on our uh, exploitation of our geology with oil and gas and coal. I think the future, in fact, I know the future economy now is exploiting our geography. Uh, and I think that's that big shift from geology to geography and using our land base, our water, our streams, our rivers, there's a lot of potential for deriving energy solutions from there and uh, using their land, including vacant and derelict land in novel and unique ways. And maybe we'll hear a bit about that from some of the amazing work that Intelligent Growth Solutions are developing. So I couldn't articulate exactly what a definition is because there isn't one. We're creating that. And I think that's what's interesting being involved in podcasts with yourself and and uh, your listeners is that if anyone you know feels that they have some fantastic ideas or solutions that they want to develop, then look no further than the south of Scotland because we are on that same journey with you. Well, I love that um, um, 
phrase that you use, which is going from geology to geography. And I guess what you mean by that is, you know, the supplanting of fossil fuels and over-reliance on minerals as for our economy, but relying on aspects of nature, whether it when be water, yep. yeah, water, wind, wave, sun, which we're already exploiting from an energy perspective, but also thinking very hard about, you know, industries that are based on land use, such as food, agriculture, forestry, and, and many other things. So um, with that sort of scope in mind, which is a very big scope, and if you think about it, you know, does provide a huge amount of resources to power the economy. Jane, maybe you can tell us a little bit about some of the opportunities and initiatives that you're pursuing uh, in the south of Scotland enterprise um, and, you know, how, how you work with all this natural capital to um, bring vibrancy to the economy in that region. Thanks, Indranil. Um, we are Scotland's newest enterprise agency, and we've only been around for well, it's less than two years now, and most of that has been during COVID um, times, as you know. What we are determined to do, though, is to realise our collective ambition for the south of Scotland and to turn a spotlight also on some of the amazing innovation that's already happening here. We are hugely rich in natural capital in all of the areas that you've described in agriculture, traditional industries, um, in forestry and food production, and also in new forms of energy production. We have more wind turbines per head than any other region in Scotland. And we've got some very interesting projects underway just now looking at wave power and turbine power in non-intrusive animal and fish-friendly ways too. It's something that we want to build on for the future. These are resources that we have in abundance and we've got deep historical roots in most of those industries. For us in the South of Scotland enterprise, what we want to do is build on that and innovate in those traditional industries, bring new industries to the region as well. We've got some projects underway just now looking at hydrogen and how we can bring hydrogen-based companies to the south of Scotland. But we also want to work with our traditional industries to take them forward. And we see um, projects like working with IGS and vertical farming as absolutely complementary to our traditional farming methods as well. It's an extension, it's a new opportunity, a new way to develop innovative solutions to minimise imports, um, to minimise carbon footprint and to give our traditional agricultural businesses a new future that's complementary to the work that they already do. So we're looking right across all of those industries. We're looking at forestry. We're looking at how we can plant more appropriate trees, how we can harness um, the innovation that companies like Tree Tape bring to be able to plant more trees, to work with IGS, to look at how we can create more seedlings and get them planted much more effectively and much more quickly, how we can bring new opportunities around community food and community growth, community wealth building and ownership, again, working with initiatives like this, how we can work more closely with our academic partners, um, both the universities that we have in the South <coughs> and the rural college too, to look at how we develop solutions for the natural economy and then how we take them internationally so a really key part of this is around that collaboration as well not just with industry and companies like IGS but with those academic partners and actually with other Scottish government initiatives like the CivTech program which gives us another way to bring in real expert 
solutions and real technological solutions into traditional public sector um, realms as well. So we're working on projects there around carbon sequestration and how we can run pilots and pathfinder projects across the south of Scotland that can then be taken internationally to help to accelerate carbon sequestration too. So there's a huge amount happening here. I love the way you describe the, the stacking of value on on a land asset. So on the one hand, you could have sustainable forestry, regenerative farming, which we've covered a number of times on this podcast before, um, peatland restoration, all of which go towards capturing carbon uh, from the atmosphere and sequestering it naturally, as well as potentially improving the productivity of those businesses uh, as well right away. But then, you know, building secondary industries as well on top of that. So using the low cost renewable energy from wind to produce hydrogen, to um, complement the the nature-based solutions we've just described with uh, manufacturing industries that are related to the the wood and the fiber or or perhaps vertical farming, which also brings another angle to sustainable food production into the, the ecosystem. So I think this is sort of pretty exciting, a way of stacking value both from a business, but also a community um, a wealth building standpoint. David, let me bring you uh, in here um, uh, at, th- at this point, and you can tell us a little bit about intelligent growth solutions and how um, you're having an impact both on the on the econ- local economy, but also on the environment. Sure. Okay. Well, listen, thanks very much for inviting us on. Um, I know that uh, Jane and Martin are working with a wide range of very interesting businesses. So um, it's a privilege to have been selected for this. Um, IGS uh, builds vertical farms, but we build vertical farms for other people. Uh, So we have made a covenant with the market that we will never grow crop, whether that is flowers, uh, trees, potatoes, lettuces for commercial sale. Part of our positive impact around the world is to understand um, the growing requirements, um, whether they are uh, dietary, whether they are um, things like forestry that are needed in different parts of the world, and to use the vertical farm platform we have to simply provide a better set of tools. So having a positive impact um, in in terms of helping people relocalize growing, whether food production or whatever, Uh, We're capable of doing that in in any part of the world with pretty much uh, any sort of crop that you can imagine. So the business was founded about uh, eight, nine years ago by a real farmer, uh, actually up in the northeast of Scotland, but in a very comparable area to what you would find in the south of Scotland. So an area called Aberdeenshire, um, very similar sort of land profile and things. Um, And... Uh, he wanted to try and grow uh, under the polytunnels he had with something that enable them to be replicated 12 months of the year um, and also to replicate the changes in the climate uh, or the weather, if you will, um, during the growing season. So we tend to plant things in the Northern Hemisphere in the spring. Uh, they tend to primarily grow during the summer and we tend to harvest them in the autumn. Obviously, in other parts of the world, that pattern is very different. But, you know, just thinking about that, if we could then take that cycle and, first of all, 
take the best bits of that cycle. So you take, you know, a 12 hour sunny day, you make it a little bit warmer, you make it 18 hours long, and you make it perfect every day. What you're doing is you're taking samples of what would happen over, a, say, a six-month period, and you're simply time-lapsing it and shortening it into maybe a two- to three-month period, during which time the crop gets everything it needs in terms of the sun, the wind, and the rain, but you simply deliver it uh, to the crop uh, through this system. So <clears throat> the way that we build these farms is they are modular. Uh, they're based on towers with a 42 square meter footprint, um, uh, which will grow at a nine meter high tower. It will contain 50 what we call growth trays. So just imagine a set of snooker tables stacked on top of each other, about a foot apart, with crops growing on the top where the green bays would be, and then the weather happening underneath to impact the tray below it. We stack these things up to nine meters high. Uh, and when we do that, our 42 square meter footprint, which would normally go on, say, land, will produce exactly the same thing as about four hectares. So from a land point of view, it is 1,000 times more efficient um, per square meter of footprint. Um, so we can do that and we can produce crops there from seed to harvest. Much more importantly, in a place like the south of Scotland, where there's already thriving agricultural and forestry economy, we can uh, operate this in a hybrid model. So if you're growing strawberries, um, rather than importing your seedlings from continental Europe or North Africa, we can use the vertical farm to produce uh, stra strawberry seedlings locally. We remove that carbon footprint of all the air miles or transport miles to get the things here. But more importantly, so that's the environmental be benefit or one of them. Uh, more importantly, though, um, we can also, from an economic point of view, make it much, much more efficient. So the wastage rate on soft and vine fruit seedlings is about 40%. We spend all that carbon getting them here, and then we throw away four in 10. It's absolutely nuts. Um, if we think about forestry, we do exactly the same thing, but we throw away six out of every 10. So if we can get our wastage rates down below 5%, which we're able to do, there's economic benefit and there's environmental benefit uh, at the same time. And that is what this is all about, a hybrid model working with the existing sectors, um, as well as introducing something new to help those sectors to diversify. If you're enjoying Impact Unicorns, don't forget to like, subscribe, and hit the bell to receive notifications of new shows bring the most relevant impact venture stories to the podcast if you would like to review the show go to the apple podcast mobile app or itunes to leave a rating and review that is a fascinating description and um, I, I certainly can see the economic and environmental benefit but there's also a community benefit from from these things from sh surely the job creation that it that it creates also high value jobs um, as well as potentially additional industries from processing the food and packaging it and, and taking it to market. Jane, tell us a little bit about how South of Scotland Enterprise works with companies like Intelligent Growth Solutions to help build up that community uh, ecosystem and, and sh share the wealth, if you like, with the, with the community. 
I'm, I'm not sure there are many companies like IGS and, and we are looking hard for them in other areas as well. We're really keen on collaboration and partnership. We are a small enterprise agency, which means we're flexible and fleet of foot and can be more innovative perhaps than, than larger organizations that have a greater um, bedded in process they have to follow. So what we're trying to do is partner um, to find companies like IGS who bring that expertise, who bring that innovation uh, and can work with us in a new way to look at how we can develop these solutions across the South. Uh, David absolutely hit the nail on the head when he talked about what they are able to do and how this is complementary and, and brings new opportunities for innovation across traditional industries. That's really key for us. Um, and we are looking at partnership agreements, we're looking at MOUs, we're looking at new strategic partnerships that allow us to take partnerships forward in different ways um, that would be done traditionally. And that's where some of our other partners, like the Agricultural College, come into play as well. Um, we have a partnership with them, IGS are working with them. We're looking at how we can collaborate on pilots uh, across the south of Scotland and extend work that's going on into the south that was highlighted for other areas too. But what we're really trying to do is make sure that we take an equitable equitable approach across both the Scottish borders and Dumfries and Galloway. So we start to see this embed and the benefits be felt in both regions. So we can demonstrate to the traditional businesses there why this is so important and how we can bring in key elements of the community as well um, to, to develop as you touched on already, the supply chains around these opportunities too, because for us, that's where a lot of the richness comes from. Um, we've spent quite a lot of time talking to traditional players in these industries to make sure that they understand what we're trying to do, that we have their support and that they see how much value this will add to them. So very important to us to take people with us on this journey and not things to them. Perhaps I could offer you a specific case study that might um, surprise people, um, Indranil. Would that be of interest? Absolutely. Go ahead, David. Yeah, so we're working with a um, dairy farmer in the southwest of Scotland in um, an area called um, Galloway. And uh, he has a large um, dairy herd um, it's a family business been typically handed down generation to generation. Um, he has, he's, but he's a very innovative uh, person. He has a single contract with a major uh, dairy mat product manufacturer. So his business to some extent is at one level secure because it's a major contract, but actually exposed as well, because if that one contract were taken away for any reason, um, you know, he'd, he'd be in a lot of trouble. Um, but part of his innovation is that he's decided to use the uh, waste from the cattle, the slurry, um, to put in place anaerobic digesters uh, and ge generate his own electricity from that, which is great at one level. But, you know, if he sells that to the grid, um, you know, one of the big electricity companies will pay him something like three pence a kilowatt hour for that electricity. Uh, and at the moment, green electricity is costing mid 20 pence per kilowatt hour. And we need quite a lot of it to run the vertical farms at various times. So the notion is that he can solve a number of problems 
uh, at the same time with support from South of Scotland uh, Enterprise and with our tech technology. So first of all, he can diversify. So if he brings vertical farming technology onto his farm, he's no longer exposed to a single off-taker, a, a single contract. He can grow um, things like leafy greens, lettuces, whatever, uh, for the local community, um, so say for artisan food producers, um, there's a, you know, there's a really great producer of jams and chutneys in Gatehouse of Fleet, which is the town right next to him. Um, he can produce ingredients they no longer have to import. He could produce things for local schools, uh, local tourism, hospitality, all these kind of things. He diversifies his business. He gets another income stream. He uses that um, uh, renewable electricity he's produced from what was waste and is now a positive input. Um, he can supply the local community and he could even go to his neighbors, other farmers, and supply them with starter plants or a local forestry business and supply them with star starter plants. So there is an absolutely fabulous circularity about this thing, which is partially economic and partially uh, in environmental at the same time. Who would have thought that a dairy farmer could grow salad? Over the past 20 years, I've worked with hundreds of entrepreneurs to build impact unicorns. In my experience, every company that has a transformative positive effect on the world does so by building strong partnerships with communities, investors and governments to solve society's biggest challenges. If you'd like to learn more about how innovative entrepreneurs can help to build a more sustainable and inclusive future, read my award-winning book, Powering Prosperity, A Citizen's Guide to Shaping the 21st Century. That's a beautiful example. And also bearing in mind that I think the, the energy content of uh, a requirement for vertical farming is about a third of the operating cost or something like that. Um, uh, think again, it's about 75%. There you go. Only a factor of two off. But yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, the reason being that in our model, we've actually taken out 80% of all the other costs. Um, so it's not that we need more energy, it's just that we need less of ev everything else. But when you think about that, the proportionality of that is if that is three quarters of the cost and you can go from 24 pence to three pence, what does that do to the cost of production? Um, so if I go to buy a packet of basil, uh, everyone talks about basil. It's the biggest herb um, by volume in production in the world because of the growth of Italian cookery. If I go to buy it from my local supermarket, I'll buy a 30 gram cellophane pack, which will equate to 30 to 35 pence per kilo, depending upon the season. If I went to buy that or organic um, at one of the major wholesale markets around the UK, I'd probably pay about 25 to 28 quid. If it's non-organic, about 20 quid. Our farm gate cost of production is £2.70. And that includes electricity at that very high price. Just think about the margin that's then available to that farmer if you can collapse that cost from the 24 down to the three pence. And that's why um, the show is called Impact Unicorns, because we're looking for businesses like this, which have a tremendous environmental and community benefit but at the same time, bring down the cost of production and have a high margin to them. So they are unicorns in terms of a, in a financial uh, respect as well. 
So you can have your cake and eat it. And this is a fantastic example. Um, maybe I turn to you, Martin, and tell us about some of the other types of businesses um, that you're you know, working on in the south of Scotland to help bring this sort of nature-based vibrancy to the economy. To be honest, how long have you got? We could be here all day because every day, every call I have, including two this morning, we're all about businesses who start the call with, I've got an amazing idea that's going to solve a problem in the environment. And I think that's testament to the narrative. And I think I want to touch on that briefly is that I'm quite old, as you can tell. And for many years, we viewed the environment and sustainability as a compliance issue. So it sat in a box that needed to be ticked by some organisation for a for a for a, a stakeholder or for the public or for whatever reason. But that all changed when people like and again, we just need to point to IGS to say, have a look at what's happening there, because the narrative now is about climate emergency to climate opportunity. There are so many opportunities now to grow prosperous businesses. That, uh, that get social license, regulatory license, and, and with your help, they'll have invested interest. And it's about building that case for opportunity rather than the narrative of the past has been who's got a problem that needs to be fixed and how do we try and sell that? Well, that didn't work, you know, and that's why we are, as, as of today, sadly, in a climate emergency and a nature emergency is because we haven't yet managed to have our cake and eat it, to use your fantastic term. We have to figure out, and I think we're almost there, and the more IGSs we see coming to our door, the better, because that certainly builds that momentum, is that there is a major opportunity to grow businesses in the right way uh, by addressing climate change, not through that lens of compliance, but through that lens of business development and opportunity. Like I say, the call, one of the calls I had earlier this week was the firm, I won't mention at the moment, but I'm desperate to shout about them because they're fantastic. And they've got a new novel uh, turbine that can sit in a river that can generate energy for local communities. And it's just fantastic. It's a Scottish business wanting to work in, in Scottish communities, developing Scotland's narrative for a, a just transition to net zero. So I think the first thing we should speak about is the narrative here isn't, let's just draw a line under, somebody needs to do something about climate change and adopt a narrative of, well, do you know what, I'm gonna do something about it. And when I'm doing it, I'm gonna do it with a forward thinking, uh, mindset that mindset of there is opportunities here rather than problems to be solved. So uh, stopping short of mentioning all the companies because quite a lot because as Jane mentioned we are relatively new, but we are going to be relentless in our approach to make sure that we can support businesses in whatever type of support they need. Sometimes and it's as simple as positioning uh, and profiling, and I think that's where working with yourself will help with that. Is that this isn't. Uh, just me and Jane and a bunch of really good people wanting to get stuff done. These are major opportunities that need to be exploited and we are super keen to be working with you and others to try and figure out how we can draw attention to this area. And you would expect me to see this because I'm paid to, but I've never been more excited than any job I've ever had because this area and the region and the capacity and the people and the, the infrastructure and the ecosystem around about us is such an, a, a potential for businesses. We should be you know, think big, look south, there's a, a good strap line for you. And I think that's what we need to be publicising. But there's businesses like the Ethical Dairy. There's businesses like, you know, Annandale Distillery. These are businesses on a day-to-day -day basis who don't wake up and say, how can I grow my business and I'll I'll do my compliance and I'll do my green check. They don't do that. They start it the other way around. They go, there's opportunities that I can grow my business on through that lens of, uh, of using the environment. I mean, you think about, 
you, you started off speaking about a natural economy. The natural economy is whiskey production in Scotland. You know, it's food and drink. It's 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 all of the stuff that people recognise Scotland with, and uh, you can't really sell yourself on that ticket unless you actually protect that environment. Otherwise, you're, it's a diminishing return. You know, why would you pollute the environment that you need? To develop your business on and again i'm going to use a shout out here to some of the distilleries in our area and jane and i had a very interesting chat just this week with a local distiller who's thinking outside the box in fact there isn't even a box in in this business it's the idea just creating an entirely new model for distilling uh, whiskey and it's that for me is the stuff that gets me excited and gets me out of bed and makes me quite kind of like uh you know super excited about working in the south of scotland other parts of scotland are doing fantastic things of course they are so we're not you know living in denial here and what's exciting for us is that what we can do in the south of scotland creates greater capacity for the rest of scotland i'll give you an example is that jane mentioned about our uh, percentage of uh, renewable energy that we pump into the system is by far in excess of any other part of the country so we for scotland to go to net zero by 2045 the south of Scotland has to go to net zero by 2035, if you get my point. We have to take some of that heavy lifting, and, and as a consequence of that, it makes us even more focused on drawing the attention to net zero opportunities in our area. One last thing I'd quite like to say is that, if I'm allowed, is nomenclature. People speak about net zero as some mythology. For me, if we just said, and if the world just said it's about emission reduction, we would have missed the trick spectacularly. So, because all you would have had was businesses just putting in kit to cut emissions. Cutting every emission in Scotland doesn't make you a sustainable, vibrant, prosperous nation, right? So, we need that's what the net part for me is the net is that massive big question mark of opportunity. And when you see the word net, you go, I wonder what I can do here in this space using nature based solutions, developing a business in the natural economy, and or a combination of all of that. And for me, is the net, net zero is net is nature. That's what I always define it as, is that we can't, every business will cut their emission to a certain point and then they can't go any lower because there isn't a technical fit solution for that. So our businesses saying, well, we've met our compliance, we're just going to stop. No, they're not. And you've just heard that from a very successful business uh, in intelligent growth solutions. They are eager to explore and exploit and develop ideas that's going to go way beyond compliance you know, I'm talking about compliance is the de minimis, way beyond compliance and creating whole new business ideas and opportunities. It's very exciting to be working in Scotland. It's even more exciting to be working in the south of Scotland. And as you can tell, we could be here all day long chatting about businesses and listing them all, but quite a lot of the the last COP, in fact, the last, I think, since since COP, possibly, our phones have gone off the hook with businesses. I think we need to come and work with you. You know, I'm thinking about, some of the ones that I'm trying not to say the names because we've got NDAs with a lot of businesses, but it's so exciting. Uh, but watch this space and actually do more than that. Come and join this space. You know, give us a call, pick up the phone, speak to Jane and I, and we'll try and help you develop your your ideas. But we have a caveat. The caveat is it has to be fantastically innovative. It has to be solving problems, not creating, and it has to be one where everyone benefits. And we're talking about communities and businesses here. So, and again, we want to have our cake and eat it and sell it. I've just made up that new thing about cake. So there you go. Martin, your enthusiasm is infectious, but I love what you're saying, which is... No, no one's cure. It's not about um, just making an existing industry and how things are done. 
more efficient or more compliant. It's actually about disruption. It's about taking natural capital. It's taking technology and innovation. And it's about taking entrepreneurial energy that actually is waiting to, or is not waiting to, is exploding in the South of Scotland and elsewhere and creating innovative businesses that can actually solve some of our critical solution uh, problems and, and create you know, vibrant businesses out of it. Jane, the final word to you as always. One, one question I, I think I would be remiss if I didn't ask is, uh, in order to do this and to make it sort of a, a, a virtuous cycle, uh, capability or capacity building is gonna be so critical. To be able to harness all of this entrepreneurial energy, all of this innovation, in a way that you get the maximum multiplier effect. Um, you get the job creation, skill development, community building, which feeds back into greater ability to create new businesses. Tell us a little bit about how you know the enterprise is, is, is working on these issues. You're absolutely right, Indranil. And that's why I hate to use the word ecosystem, but we do look at the the this as part of um, the ecosystem that we're growing and developing. And that's why that approach to net zero permeates everything we're doing. We have our creative and cultural capital team embedded in our natural capital team. Um, we have work going on with our registered social landlords uh, across the south of Scotland to look at how we retrofit and make more energy efficient all of the thousands of properties that they manage across the south. We're also looking at how we can bring in new building techniques that are carbon neutral and as friendly and localized as possible in terms of materials used because that's a key aspect in how we increase our capacity across the south we know we need new people to come and live in the south of scotland and we want to make the area as attractive as diverse as inclusive as we possibly can and to do that we need to have more suitable housing so there is an entire circular approach to everything we're doing here. We have new parts of our organization working in schools, working with young people, working with women, working with underrepresented founders to try and increase entrepreneurial startups and behaviors and thinking to grow those supply chains from an early stage. To do that, we need to have the right people. To do that, we need to have the right premises, the right facilities, the right houses. Um, we want people to have the choice to come back to the South, to relocate to the South or to stay in the South because they have a richness of opportunity here. A really important part of that for us is also attract, attracting international investors, international companies to come to the south of Scotland. Because we have that richness of natural capital, we have great connectivity, we have great road access, we have great sea access, we have good rail access too. So we're already talking to a number of companies internationally who are now looking and going, this could be this could be a really good place for us to be. You know, we've got access to the raw materials, we've got access to the skills. Scotland is not a huge company, so we can attract people from all over Scotland to come to the south to bring those additional skills from all over the UK and from all over the world as needed. So that's a really important part of what we're doing. Martin said it really well, but as an enterprise agency, we talk about 
having well-being at the core of everything we do. And for us, that's in three really key areas and they're really interlinked. So we focus on the well-being of our communities, the well-being of our economy and the well-being of our environment in the south of Scotland with equal weighting because they are intrinsically linked in everything we do. And that's what we want to build on going forward. Jane, that's a terrific note to end on, bringing the, the world to the south of Scotland and all the, the riches and capabilities it has to offer. I think that's a fantastic vision and one that you're really helping to catalyze. So we're going to be talking a lot more about the, the natural economy on this show. And I want to thank uh, Jane, Martin and David for really kicking off that conversation. But it's a really important one and tons of opportunity, as Martin pointed out, uh, for everyone to engage. So thank you all for, for joining us and uh, we'll hope to speak with you in, in the near future again. Thank you. If you've enjoyed this episode of Impact Unicorns, don't forget to rate and review this show by scrolling down and clicking rate this podcast. And join me next week as I talk to more inspirational entrepreneurs building the next generation of transformative companies.